Welcome to Life Church Bath, and thank you for choosing this message. If you'd like to learn and hear more about who we are and what we get up to, please go to our website at lifechurchbath.com. Enjoy the message. I have got the great honor of speaking this morning after the Arnots. That was good. That was really good timing of me, wasn't it? I thought that, and I thought, oh, no pressure there. And then actually, I had some lovely, mighty prophets of the Lord um, praying over me this morning. And one of them said, it's no coincidence that you're speaking after the Arnots. And I went, I'll take that. That sounds a lot better than what I was thinking. Um, so yeah, um, I think a lot of us were at it last week. We had a packed house. And I'm not speaking on anything. Well, I am speaking on some things that are to do with that, because we're continuing the tent table temple. I have to do that really slowly. I don't know about you. I cannot say that fast. Um, but I didn't want to, I just felt like I couldn't stand here and not kind of acknowledge what happened last weekend. Um, you know, the presence of God was here in a mighty way. We saw people being healed. Um, we listened to Carol's dream, which um, hopefully you caught it all because she was so under the anointing of God, wasn't she, when she was telling us about that dream. And um, if you didn't catch it, actually, it's in a book. Um, that I can't remember the name of, but someone did tell me, Bex told me yesterday, but I, I think I've got it on a slide for later. But um, it's in that. But I, I just wanted to kind of pause there because there were things about Carol's dream that have gripped me all week. And actually there are things that we have heard prophesied in this house over the last maybe like 18 months, two years, and also have been prophesied globally. Um, and in a nutshell, what she said was, and I'll just read it out, there's a slide on this, I think, um, there's another cloud, a cloud of holiness. It will not be an out, a cloud of outward good behavior holiness, but it will be a cloud of my holiness, the reverent fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. And so much has been prophesied about a new wave, another wave of the Holy Spirit coming. And that's what she's talking about there, isn't it? And then she said that God was telling her in the dream, this is all in her dream, and she's speaking to her congregation in the dream, in case you weren't here for it. And God was telling her in the dream that he's been pouring out his grace for the last 20 years for us to just experience his love, experience his goodness, and have our hearts healed. And then it says, I mean, I really am paraphrasing it and shortening it down here. You'd, you'd need to read it. But then it says, when the glory cloud comes down, when the next wave hits, whoa, you better have your heart right. Get right with me. Stop playing with sin and excusing it. Ouch. Okay, I read that and I'm like, oh, that sounds a bit painful. And what she was talking about there was this idea of what she called, I think, in the dream, unsanctified mercy. That God's saying, you know, if you've been kind of going, well, it doesn't really matter too much if I do this because, you know, God will forgive me anyway, so I'll do it and repent later. If we're in that kind of place ever, it's a real call to say, no, I need to just go and repent of that and ask God to change my heart. And then um, the bit, and then, then she talked about secret sin. She, she saw a man in the dream who was in secret sin and to come to the altar of mercy. And it really reminded me, um, do you remember we did the seven letters to the seven churches? And all throughout those seven letters, I think bar one, um, it was saying about how, you know, you're doing this really well, but I'm, you know, God's saying, I'm not too happy about this one. Come and repent. And this is the promise that comes with it. And it feels, it felt a bit like that to me, this dream. It felt a bit like this call, and there was an urgency in the call to come and repent 
not to live with mixture, which we explored a lot in those letters, didn't we? And just come to the altar of mercy because God always has redemption, doesn't he? He always has a way out of everything. And um, I was kind of thinking that actually we can feel a bit embarrassed sometimes because we, I don't know, maybe rock up to church every Sunday or most Sundays and we don't really want to say that we're living in some sort of secret sin or whatever it might be. It all sounds very like intimidating, doesn't it? Secret sin. Um, but actually... Really, it's just humbling ourselves before God, isn't it? And actually, it says in Romans that we all fall short. Every single one of us falls short of the glory of God. So I just felt like I couldn't pass that by this morning. And I feel like even as the morning goes on, let's just all just say to God, you know, search my heart this morning. Is there anything in what Carol said last week, whether you were here or not, there's a call to repentance. Is there anything that Carol said last week that you want to just bring to my mind that I need to put right before you, Father? Because I don't know about you, but when the Holy Spirit comes in power and holiness, and when the fear of the Lord is really established and fully put back into the church, I want to be one who can stand under the weight of it. I'm not going to be perfect, I know that. But I want to be able to stand under the weight of it. And it's that repentance that I think is what's in the dream is that repentance is part of how we do that. So, it's not really what I'm talking on, but I felt like I couldn't stand here and pass by that. But I am talking on the tent this morning because we are continuing our series on tent, table, temple. I'm just never, I don't know, I'm just always going to pause there. But anyway, um, now actually, things like holiness and fear of the Lord, they're all places that we can learn about in all three. Um, and I'm going to kind of go with the tent this morning, and I'm talking more about the Holy Spirit in the tent. Now, Jonathan and Tim, if you were here the last two weeks, spoke about Scripture in the tent, and it was um, brilliant, number one, but also provoking. I have now, Jonathan, you'll be pleased to know, I know Tim's not here this morning, um, I've decided that I'm going to put my audio Bible back in my car so that I have the Bible when I'm out, not just when I'm in my house. And um, I really recommend, I've got, um, what's his name? David Suchet? You know Poirot? Oh, couldn't you listen to that man all day? He is amazing. So I whack him on. I'm in Kings at the minute with Elijah. And I whack him on and I've got David Suchet and me in the car with the Holy Spirit all the time I'm driving around the place. Although my car is just broken down, so do pray if you uh, feel, feel the burden to pray for my car. Please pray for that. Um, but I'm going to focus more, um, not so much on the Logos word, the written word of God, but more on the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit. So when I was praying about this morning, I kind of said to God, I've got lots of ideas about what I can talk about. I'd really rather I had your idea, so that's what I'm hoping for this morning. And what I felt him say, I've, I heard two words. I heard the word encounter, and I heard the word revival. And this is all to do with our personal time with God, that time we spend with him on our own with nobody else. And there are three areas that I felt like he wanted to kind of highlight to us this morning. And there's a slide for this if it's working. The first one is fellowship with the Holy Spirit, so just spending time in his presence and allowing him the freedom to move as he wishes. And I really felt there was a weight on that last bit, allowing him the freedom in his time with us to move in whatever direction he wants to go. And then the second one was being in the spirit. And the last one is being set apart because I felt like it was a journey that 
when we fellowship with him, when we give him complete free reign in our time with him, that set-apartness, that consecration, to use a more biblical word, that we have, he does it all. It's him who does it. He's the one who convicts us. He's the one that changes us. And it's like a byproduct or a consequence of the time that we spend with him. And when I was praying, I heard the Lord say this. I heard him say, widen your tent pegs and make more space for my Holy Spirit to move. To move without constraint, to move without restriction. And I felt he asked us two questions. Will you yield to my spirit in a deeper way? And will you let me set your tent on fire? You see, we saw the fire in here last weekend, didn't we? But I really feel like the Holy Spirit is saying, that fire can be in your personal time with me, wherever you are, just me and you. Did anyone see, I think there was two girls, there was two children up here, and they were both going in under like a massive hoodie thing. Did anyone notice that this morning? And the two of them, they were so squished in there this morning. And I, it made me laugh because I noticed it. But I thought that's like the personal time with the Holy Spirit. We're both just squished comfortably, but in such close proximity, face to face, nose to nose. And he has free reign. So I just pose those questions to you this morning. Will you yield to my spirit in a deeper way? And will you let me set your tent on fire? I feel like we need to pray about that, actually. I've said to the Holy Spirit, if you want me to stop and pray or do anything, I'll do it. So just putting that out there. It may not be a smooth flight and landing. So let's just put our hands on our heart. Holy Spirit, we say you are so welcome in our personal time with you. And Father, we want to respond to your questions and to your promptings, and we don't want to miss a thing. So Holy Spirit, we say yes to setting our tent on fire. We say yes to setting the time that we have with you on fire, where you are free, utterly free, no restriction, no agenda, no strings, nothing. You are free to move as you please in our time with you. And if you agree, in Jesus' name, amen. So our time with him can be really, really powerful. And, you know, reading the Word of God is like the foundation that we stand on, isn't it? It's so important. But when we have that foundation in place, I think we can kind of just, like, let go. And we can risk intimacy. Now, it might sound a bit weird that I've said risk intimacy, but I think for some of us, it feels a bit like a risk. We've all got different backgrounds, and for some of us, intimacy is a really easy thing, and for others of us, it's actually not quite an easy thing and could be actually a place of pain or hardship. So it can feel like a risk to allow the Holy Spirit to come that close and to have that much freedom in our lives. And also, we don't really know how he's going to turn up. Because if you look in the Bible, he turns up as a dove, lovely. He turns, he overshadows Mary, lovely. But he also comes as fire. He also comes in a violent wind that everybody hears in the city. So we don't know how he's going to turn up. We don't know what he's going to do. We don't know what he's going to put his finger on. But in the written word of God, we understand his nature and his character. And when we know that, we know he loves us. 
we know he's for us and we know we can trust him to go deeper and just to allow him that free reign. And that, I believe, will, I know revival is a very buzzword and I almost wanted God to give me like a different one. But anyway, that's the word I had. But I feel like that can lead to like a revival. Like Imagine this room, loads of mini revivals all across the room. Okay, because we're so on fire, we're so full of the Holy Spirit that wherever we go, it leaks out of us. And we come here on a Sunday morning and it pours out of us in our worship and it pours out in healings and miracles and prophetic words and people being set free on a kind of even grander scale just to glorify him. You know, I was chatting to Edmunds. Is he here? Hi, Edmunds. You're here. What a legend. Um, I was chatting to Edmund earlier this week. If you've not had a chat with Edmund, I'm sorry, Edmund, there's probably going to be queues of people to you now. If you've never had a chat with Edmund, you need to have a chat with Edmund. He is a treasure, and he is also a treasure trove. He is full of just so much wisdom and knowledge on the Bible that it is a joy to just sit at his feet and listen to everything he pours out. And we were chatting about lots of things, but he mentioned John 15, 4 to 5, and it's that scripture we all know. It says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And it's a really, we know that scripture really, really well, don't we? And Edmund was saying to me, sometimes he likes to play around with the images a little bit. And so rather than seeing a tree, he was like, oh, you could see it as a pipe. And you have a pipe that you plug into the Holy Spirit and then the water just rushes and continually, continually flows down that pipe. And it affects everywhere we go, and it affects the people around us. We were saying about how, you know, sometimes he's not even looking to talk about Jesus, but somebody brings it up, and it's not even him. Why? Because the water is continually flowing. The Holy Spirit is continually flowing. So I I love that analogy. And, you know, did anyone go through that fire tunnel last week? Give me a little wave if you went through. Yeah, I went through. Fell flat on my face. It was a bit embarrassing, but it was okay. Um, Got up. Someone rolled me over. It was fine. Um, But I really felt like God saying that that can happen. Maybe not quite your fire tunnel, because there wouldn't be enough people maybe in your house. But it's that level of on fire, of on blaze, on glory can happen in our houses when we have our time with him. It can happen in your kitchen. It can happen in your break from work. It can happen when you're driving which is always an interesting one to navigate, being there, trying to drive when the presence of God falls. You're like, oh. Um, I think what I'm saying is wherever we make space for him, he will be faithful to fill it and meet with us. And you know, it's one thing to know about God. It's a very different thing to experience him, isn't it? And I was thinking about that because I was thinking about a guy that I did an alpha course, I don't know how many years ago this is, maybe, I don't know, 18 years ago, something like that. And I was supporting a group, and there was a lovely, lovely gentleman in the group, and he knew the Bible inside out. I mean, his knowledge of the Word was incredible. And yet, he did not believe in God, and he did not believe Jesus was who he said he was. And I remember thinking, God, this is really weird. How has he read your Bible and doesn't believe that you're real? How is that possible? And I thought, because he's never encountered your Holy Spirit. He's never experienced who you are. He knows who you are, but he's never had that experience and that heart connection with your Holy Spirit. 
So the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, who is God, he is not different, he is God, is fundamental to our walk with him. It's fundamental to actually bringing everything to life, including the word of God. And I really felt that he was saying, um, spending time with him also looks like listening to him. And I was thinking about, you know, that prophecy in Joel that we all know really, really well and is always quoted. Well, I'm going to quote it again. And it says, and afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And I think sometimes we can get so familiar with a verse that we kind of almost skate over its power and skate over its simplicity. And I'm not talking about prophecy this morning, but you can't prophesy unless you hear the voice of God. Otherwise, you're not prophesying. You're just saying some nice things to people, hopefully nice things to people. So you never know. I have been, I won't even go there, but anyway, I was going to tell a story about this one time. And I was like, oh, I don't think you could say that. Stop talking. Um, but what I'm saying is that in order to prophesy, you have to hear the voice of God, right? And he says, all can prophesy which means we can all hear the voice of God. And that's not for when Joel was alive because he was prophesying into the future. We know that that prophecy was fulfilled in Pentecost. And it says, and I mean, what an explosion of the Holy Spirit that was, right? It says, when the day of Pentecost came, this is in Acts 2, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And you know, we are still living in the time of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. He hasn't stopped doing that. And we don't need to strive because I teach on the prophetic. I know that sometimes we feel that we need to really like just strive and pray harder and then I'll hear the voice of God and he'll speak to me. No, you don't have to strive because he's in here. He's poured his spirit out already. In fact, it's easy to hear the voice of God. Super easy to see what he's showing us, to hear what he's saying, to know him, to perceive his presence. And I was thinking as I was writing this that actually there might be some of us in here, and I'll be super shocked if there aren't, because only because, maybe it's just me, I've had this thought in the past. There might be some of us in here who think, well, I don't really hear the voice of God, or I don't hear him very well, or we can fall into that comparison trap and just go, well, so-and-so hears him really well, but I really, don't, I really don't hear him. I mean, I really struggle with this. And I just wanted to say to you this morning that it's not true, and that if you feel or think, or believe, or have said that you cannot hear the voice of God that well, or at all, it's a lie. It's not true. Because the Bible says, my sheep hear my voice. You wouldn't be sitting here today if you hadn't heard the pull of the Holy Spirit in your life. So I just feel like maybe we could just repent of that is, I mean, I could be off track here. Is anyone going, I might have thought that once. I, might, I may well have thought that. Yes, there's, okay, there's quite a few hands. Yeah. Let's, should we just put our hands on our heart and just um, 
just repent because it's a lie and we just it's not repent like oh you bad person you need to repent it's not that kind of repent it's like oh no just believed and agree, agreed with something that actually I didn't realize I should so you can just say this yourself you don't have to say it out loud after me you just say I father God I repent of believing the lie that you do not speak to me clearly enough and I do not hear you well enough and I break all agreements with that lie in Jesus' name. I break all partnership with that lie in Jesus' name. And I declare the truth, and this I do want you to say out loud, that I can hear the voice of God. I am wired to hear him. And I will hear with clarity from this day on. In Jesus' name. So in the name of Jesus, I just break off the curse that landed on you when you decided to agree with, unknowingly, knowingly, that you cannot hear the voice of God. I break you free of that lie right now in Jesus' name. And I release to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in a deeper deeper way so that even tonight you will have dreams and visions in the night where the Father will speak to you. That even as you're going about your day, you are going to notice the Holy Spirit just dropping things into your spirit and you are going to catch him and you are going to see him. And I release to you an ability to see in the spirit in a way that you haven't before in Jesus' name. Amen. So, spending quality time with the Holy Spirit. The other bit of that was allowing him freedom, just completely free reign. And I think part of that is actually just laying down our agendas. And the word agenda can sound a bit negative, can't it? And I really don't mean it that way. I mean, sometimes we can go to God, right? And we have a list as long as your arm of things that we need to pray for. And none of them are bad. And there is absolutely a place for that. But I think he's calling us kind of as well as that to come into a place where we come with absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing, and we just wait. Jonathan was doing it this morning, and we waited, and it can feel a bit awkward, can't it, when you're in a big room and waiting? Um, and it doesn't really feel that awkward, actually, when you're at home doing that, so that probably makes it easier. But... There's something for me about the waiting and the giving him space and the listening and coming with absolutely no agenda just to look on his face and see what he has to say. And I was thinking about um, Exodus 3, you know, Moses and the burning bush. I'll just read a little bit of it. So Moses is tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. I was so glad, actually, when I, came, when I, when I decided to use um, this scripture that didn't have any of those really long names and place names in it, because I was like, oh, I'll stumble over that. So I was like, thank you, Jesus, Midian, I can say that. Um, and led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush, and Moses saw that the, though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. 
And Moses said, here I am. Moses didn't say, well, God, I'm really glad I bumped into you today because I was thinking about X, Y, and Z. He just said, here I am. And what did God do? God actually pulled him into the timing of his calling and his anointing, right? Because he says, you've got to go back to Egypt. You've got to go and tell the Israelite leaders that they have to ask Pharaoh to set them free. Now, if you know anything about Moses, you know that he did that, you know, he killed an Egyptian, didn't he? And I guess what was on his heart was his calling. He wanted to set his people free, but he was completely out of the timing of God and did it on his own steam and got it badly wrong. But he meets with God. He has no agenda. He just says, here I am. And God pulls him into the timing and tasks him with his calling. And then we know the story after that. And the other thing I wanted to just um, pick out there is, you know, he had a job to do, right? He was busy. He's a busy man with his flocks. And he had to go to wherever he had to take them in the desert. But actually, he notices the bush is burning. I can only imagine that maybe in the desert, that might be a fairly common thing that happens, that a bush burns. But he noticed it, and he noticed it wasn't kind of being consumed. And he drops tools, and he goes and has a look. He is curious. And I really feel like the Lord is saying this morning, will you be curious? Because sometimes what he does is he just drops a little thought into our mind and we can miss it in a second. But if we catch it, if we're curious, then we'll find out what he's trying to say to us. It's not like that all the time. I don't want to make it out like it's a riddle or hard work because it isn't. But it's just being really sensitive to his spirit. And, you know, I had this the other week. I was, um, I was at home. It was a Tuesday. I was by myself. Now... This rarely happens. This hasn't happened for months, actually, that I've been at home by myself. I don't know about you, but when I'm at home, I love my family, by the way, adore them. But when I'm at home by myself, I'm like, hallelujah, the house is mine. I can do what I want. Not that I do anything exciting, but I can do anything, okay? And I thought, I'll go in the sitting room. I'll pray about this morning. Nobody will interrupt me. It's going to be glorious, me and you, Jesus. And I started to pray, and then I realized I was thinking, did I get that second wash out and hang it up? Oh, I can't remember. And then I was like, oh, no, pray, pray, pray. And then, oh, I wonder if the boy's having a good day at school. And it just kept going like that. And I thought, this is going, like, nowhere. <clears throat> I've come with my agenda. God, I need you to talk to me about the 22nd. I'm completely distracted. I get up. I bind distraction. I do live a lifestyle of binding and loosing quite a lot, okay? So I'm binding up that distraction. And I think, I'm just going to go into the kitchen. I'm going to worship. Forget, forget what I went to talk to God about. I'm just going to worship. So I start worshiping. And as I'm worshiping, I just hear the phrase, get on your knees. And it was, I can't tell you how quick it was. It was so, so quick. But I've been really training myself over the last however many years to just catch those quick moments and luckily, I was on my own because God's really kind. If he said that in the middle of Milsom Street, it might be a bit awkward. But he said it there. And so I just got on my knees going, well, I think that's you, God, so I'm just going to go for it. And no sooner did I go on my knees than I really felt the presence of God. I felt the Holy Spirit just kind of in front of me, above me. And I felt him actually whispering words in my ear. And he does that to me sometimes. I don't know what they are but I have faith that he puts them in and they'll come out in the due time and the timing that they're meant to. And it ended. And I thought, lovely. 
wow, I've just had such a great time. I've experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit. I feel like it's really touched my heart. Amazing. And I stand up ready to do the 50 million things that I have to do. And again, I had the, just the quickest thought, and it was stand still. And I thought, um, you know, the pull, the pull of busyness, isn't it, that we have to battle sometimes. And I thought, no, Michelle, stay here. And I just stood still, and I kept worshipping. And within a few minutes, I started to cry. And then I started to sob. And then, at times, a wailing came out of me. And I knew that cry. And I knew it was grief. Because years ago, my sister passed away. And I had some miscarriages before I had my boys. And God has taken me on a huge healing journey with it. I can't tell you the heartbreak. If you've ever lost someone, you know that there's just a heartbreak that's nothing like it. And in that moment, I knew that the Holy Spirit was just touching that place ever so gently. And out of me was coming more grief. And, and I felt like it was like the, the residue, like the end bit coming out. And if I hadn't caught what he was saying, if I hadn't said, I'm just going to try and be sensitive, Father, help me be sensitive to your spirit. And I pay attention to those little moments because he often doesn't actually force himself on us. Those little moments, I wouldn't have had that encounter with him almost two weeks ago. Now, he's a good God, right? He'd have caught me later on anyway. But in that moment, I had no agenda. I just worshipped. He showed up. He filled the space. And he did what he wanted to do. Because I had zero intention of asking for any more healing in that minute. So I really want to encourage us to really just spend that time and make that space. And I tell you, when you do it once, you'll want to do it again and again and again. Because he's faithful to fill it. He's faithful to meet with us. And what he'll do will not be what you expect, but it will be so good for you. Now, the second thing was praying in the Spirit or being in the Spirit. And it says in Ephesians 6.18, it says, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of God's people. Now, often when we hear praying in the Spirit, and there's another scripture, but I'll, I'll leave you to read that. But often when we hear praying in the Spirit, we automatically, I know I can do, go to praying in tongues. But actually, I don't think this scripture means to pray in tongues. It says to pray in the Spirit with all kinds of prayers and requests. Okay? Praying in tongues is good. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. We do it to edify ourselves. Actually, sometimes before I pray, if I'm feeling a bit tired, I'll do that just to really kind of help me to connect with the Holy Spirit. But it's not the same as what the praying in the Spirit means here. So what does praying in the Spirit look like? Well, it looks like the opposite of praying in the flesh, okay? So I close my eyes, I fellowship with the Holy Spirit, a bit like, you know, what I was saying earlier, whatever that looks like for you. And I pray from the place of fellowshipping with him, not from my human understanding of a situation. And actually in the nest last year, we did quite a bit on this, of, of prophesying 
going into the spirit with the Holy Spirit, because obviously you never, ever go into the spirit realm without the Holy Spirit, because that would not be God. You go in with him, and from that place, we prophesy, we pray. An example of this is um, there was someone in my family, a boy in my family, and he was having a really tough time, and it was upsetting. He was feeling really rubbish. It's horrible when you see a little one feeling really sad, isn't it? And I just kind of went to God and I just poured everything out. I was like, I'm so upset about this and I hate seeing him go through this and, you know, just poured it out. And then you do that, don't you? And you remember what it says in Ephesians 6, which is, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. And so then once I've poured my heart out to God, I was like, okay, God, Holy Spirit, will you show me what the battle is in the spirit over this boy? Because that's where the fight is. The fight isn't down here. It's not down. It's not against anybody that's causing him bother. The fight is in the spirit. And so the Holy Spirit, he's always faithful to fill when I ask, and he's faithful to fill when you ask. He showed me the assignment of the enemy against this boy, and it was to isolate him to take his confidence away, and ultimately was to silence him. And I think that's because he's got a really big prophetic call on his life. And the enemy doesn't want a single prophet in the world able to speak the word of God. He does not want that. So prophets or prophetically gifted people often have a battle with being silenced or feeling like they're being, you know, shut down. And so then I had this knowledge, right? So I've gone in the spirit of the Holy Spirit. I now know what the battle is. I then start asking God, okay, what do I pray? I pray that the assignment will stop. So I break off the assignment. I shut the enemy down. I cut his tongue out so he can't, you know, be using anybody else and pouring lies into them. And then at the end of it, the father says, and I want you to declare this over him. You declare he's an overcomer. And so then I had the strategy to deal with the fight. And then I had God's kingdom, like pull down the enemy doesn't it say in Jeremiah that we are to dismantle the plans of the enemy, but build up the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And he is an overcomer, is, an, is a declaration that I've declared over him from then and every time since. But what I did and what we do and what we're called to do is go into the spirit, to pray in the spirit, to be led by the spirit and see the battle in the spirit realm. I did the flesh thing in the beginning oh God, I hate this. I feel really angry about it. That was all my flesh. And that's fine. God's going to listen to all of that. But actually my prayer has more power, is more effective, and God, God brings a lasting change when I go in the spirit and I pray what he, I see what he sees and I pray what he says about it. So being led in the spirit all the time through our prayer. And then the last thing and I'm really only going to touch on this because I know, you know, it's a mass, actually even being led in the spirit, you could do a series on that, is being set apart. And, you know, we've had a lot of words here over the last 18 months to two years about um, surrender and about yielding. And that's all part of being set apart, isn't it? Set apart in, in terms of a definition is to make holy or to dedicate to a higher purpose or dedicating yourself like to the Lord. And um, I was really gripped this week in Joshua. I think it's Joshua 3.5. It says, Joshua told the people, 
Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things above, uh, uh, among you. Sorry, he will do amazing things among you. Now, I know that was for the Israelites at a particular time uh, in history, and their consecration was a bit different to ours. My understanding is they washed their clothes. I'm thinking, do they not wash their clothes ever? Okay, great. A bit smelly. Um, and they abstained from sexual intercourse, and that is how they made themselves clean to be before the Lord. But actually, we've got the Holy Spirit, so we don't have to, I mean, we should wash our clothes anyway, obviously. Um, but we don't have to do that particularly for that. Um, and actually, it's the Holy Spirit who sets us apart. As soon as we said yes to Jesus, a lifestyle of consecration, a lifestyle of being set apart began, and it continues. It's not like a, a one-off altar call, is it? We come, I mean, we do do that, but actually it's a lifestyle of that. And I just think that's good news, right? Because it means that I'm not doing it on my own steam. I'm not constantly having to battle everything and go, oh, this isn't the standard of God. How do I get out of this? How do... Holy Spirit helps us to be set apart. It says in John 3:16, what a promise that we reflect the glory of God and are changed into the image of Jesus. As we spend time with the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit of God, we reflect God and he changes us into the image of Jesus. And you know what? There are just things in our life that fall away, things that do not stack up with the value system of the kingdom of heaven. Because we're set apart, because we don't buy into the world, and we don't buy into all the things that are of the value system of the world, we want to buy into everything that's the value system of the kingdom. You know, when I first became a Christian, um, I remember I'm Irish. I'm not saying every Irish person uses the name Jesus Christ in a blasphemous way, but I was around many that did growing up. And you just did. It was just what we all said. You used it to express anger. You used it to express, I can see Ed skipping to the stage. Ed, you're so excited. Um, sorry, caught my eye. I'm being distracted. Sorry, distraction, bind you. Um, and skipping, skipping. I'm talking about skipping now. Um, but, but everyone just used it to express anger, disbelief, whatever it was. And I remember my husband saying, I can't believe how many of you, when he came to visit, say Jesus' name like that. And I was like, mate, I think you got a problem. I wasn't a Christian at this stage. I'm thinking the whole culture cannot be wrong and one man be right, but it turns out he was right. And as soon as I became a Christian, do you know what? I never used Jesus' name that way ever again. And I wasn't trying not to. He just took away the desire. And that was part of setting apart. Now, I know sometimes it's easy like that. Other times it's the Holy Spirit going, putting a finger on something and going, do you really want to join in that gossip? Or whatever it might be in our worlds, isn't it? But I think I just wanted to encourage us that as we spend more time and make more space for the Holy Spirit to just have his way in whatever he wants to do in our times with him, he will do the job of setting us apart. He will want us to partner with it at times for sure, but he will do that job. We just yield, surrender, lay everything down, even if we don't know what laying everything down looks like. Sometimes I'm like, I don't know what I'm laying down, but I'm laying it all. I'm just going to lay everything, God, even if I don't fully get it all the time. So I'm going to stop there, just aware of time. 
Um, I'd really like to pray. Would you be so kind, if you can, to stand up? When I was prepping for today, I felt the Lord say, well, I heard the Spirit of the Lord say that there is a revelatory anointing on this house. See, this is an apostolic and prophetic house. And because it is a prophetic house, it means that we operate in revelation, that we can hear, perceive, see, know God in the spirit realm. And so I felt the Lord say this morning that he wants to pull us all in to the revelatory anointing on this house. Whether you're in the room, whether you're online, he wants to pull us all into that revelatory anointing. Are you up for that this morning? Good. So let's pray. And maybe if you want that this morning, maybe we just put our hands out in that posture of receiving. Whether you've seen in the spirit, whether that's your comfortable place, or whether you've never before, or you're somewhere in between, there is more, is what the Lord is saying. There is more. There's always more. So, Father, we thank you for the revelatory anointing that is on this house. And, Father, in the name of Jesus, I go in the Spirit and I break that anointing open right now in the name of Jesus over everybody in this room and online who can hear my voice. Your revelation come in Jesus' name. I say open the depths of revelation now in the name of Jesus. And I declare that you will see in the Spirit, you will hear in the Spirit, you will know in the Spirit much deeper, much farther than you ever have before. And anywhere where the enemy has tried to put a veil over your sight, a veil over your hearing to make you dull, I just bind that now in the name of Jesus and I cast that off you right now in Jesus' name. I break the power of that in the name of Jesus and I pull you in to the revelatory anointing that is on this house. I pull you in. Allow yourself to be pulled in to the revelatory anointing that's on this house and I release holy. I feel like there's mantles of revelation that need to be released right now. I release the mantles of revelation of seeing in the spirit to you right now in the name of Jesus. And I say, you will land. You will land in Jesus' name. And any scaffolding in anybody's mind that says, I can't hear the voice of God, or I'm not so sure about the seeing in the spirit thing, I just dismantle all that scaffolding right now in Jesus' name. And I say, you are born to hear the voice of God. You are born to know what the Spirit is doing. You are born to receive his communication and to just be in freedom to flow with the Spirit. So I release a sensitivity to the Spirit right now in the name of Jesus. And I also release a seer anointing. Holy, I release a seer anointing to see in the Spirit, particularly now in Jesus' name. If that's you, just grab it. Just go, yes, Jesus, I receive that. Holy, holy, 
Holy is the Lord. And I declare there will be no robbery of sight or revelation from this house in Jesus' name. There will be no stealing of any revelation in Jesus' name. And I say that today marks a day when everyone who comes into the, under the covering of this house will move in the revelation of the Spirit in a greater way in Jesus' name. There is no going back and there is no stealing by the enemy in the name of Jesus. And I cast down all doubts in Jesus' name. And I'm aware there may be people here this morning and you're like, I don't even know if I believe in Jesus. Holy. And I just invite you. I just invite you by the power of the Spirit to come and see his face. Just allow him to melt your heart. He's gentle. He's gentle. And so as we go into worship, let's just ask the Lord that we see in the Spirit the face of Jesus before us. Jesus. That Jesus is just in front of us, face to face. And his eyes of fire, holy, are looking into your eyes. Allow him to look. Don't look away. For I hear the Spirit of the Lord say, I have a passion. I have a passion for you. And the fire in my eyes is just going to burn away any barrier. It's going to burn away anything that gets in the midst of me and you and meeting and being close and being intimate. So allow me to burn. Allow me to burn and look in your eyes. And as we worship, let's ask Jesus to just have his way. Holy Spirit, have your way. As we look into the eyes of Jesus, have your way. Come and be free if we're going to cry, we're going to cry. If we're going to skip like Ed around the auditorium, let's skip. If we're going to lie down, kneel, whatever. Jesus, just come by the power of your Spirit and speak to us in Jesus' name.